Good Saturday morning to you, everybody, and welcome to Mortgage Matters with Rob Weinberg. I'm Gary Byron. Glad to have you on board. Rob, how are you this morning? Doing well. Good to see you. Good to see you. How was your week? Excellent. Very busy. Yeah, you know, it strikes me that um, that home buying, there's actually a season for home buying, right? Isn't there like an on-season? Usually there is, and it's not right now. But no. This that's... year is an anomaly. We're in the middle still of a pandemic, and housing is important to that. Yeah, sure, sure. But I would think that aren't people are people keeping their money? or they, they're, Obviously, they're still buying homes because I hear from I have real estate agent friends who tell me this all the time. Gary, our inventory is minimal here in the state of Connecticut. So as much as there's people moving out, there's a different type of person that's moving in, you know. They're either moving in or they've been here and they've been waiting for this opportunity and they've been saving and now they're ready. So lots of that going on. Folks, there is a book that I would love to give to you, literally give away to you. It's entitled Mortgage Strategies for the New Millennium, Using Your Home Loan as a Financial Tune. And guess who it's authored by? The very gentleman who I share this uh, this studio with right now, Rob Weinberg himself. And really, if you think about it, if you're going to buy a book that pertains to this topic, why not get the foremost expert, particularly right here in the state of Connecticut, who's authored it? Um, you can. I'm going to tell you how to get this book absolutely free, right to your door. You're not paying shipping. You're not paying handling. You're not paying for the book. Um We'll get into the details a little bit later on in this show, so hang in there. We have a great show for you today, by the way. Um, let's talk about the do's and don'ts during the mortgage process. How's that? Very good. Okay, so let's start off with this. Can I start looking for a home before I'm even pre-approved? Don't waste your time is my answer to that. Um, that's a That's a big don't. And the reason is because... You want to know what you can afford, first and foremost. If you're looking at $400,000 houses and falling in love with them, when you only qualify for a $300,000 house, you're wasting your time and your realtor's time. I mean, it's one thing to peruse online and dream, but it's another to be a serious home buyer. So you really want to get pre-approved as early as possible in the process. And forgive my naivety, um, Naivete, excuse me. What is the difference between being approved and what's pre-approved? So a full approval, you can't really get done until you're under contract on a property. I think the big distinction that a lot of people need to realize is a pre-qualification versus a pre-approval. So a pre-qualification is you either fill a form out online or talk to a mortgage lender and you give them some basic information on your credit, your income, your expenses, how much money you have for down payment and whatnot. And then they spit out a number to you to say, hey, here's about what you'll qualify for. Maybe they run your credit report. Mm -hmm. That's a pre-qualification. And really, with the market being so hot, that's worthless. You won't get anywhere with that because what a serious buyer has is a full pre-approval. And what that entails is talking to a lender, giving them that information, having them run a full tri-merge credit report from all three credit bureaus using a mortgage credit score, not a Credit Karma score, not one of those online scores, but a real mortgage credit score. And then the next step is getting your documents. You say you make 80 grand a year, show me your pay stubs, show me your W-2s. You've got a rental property, we wanna see your tax returns. I wanna see bank statements that show me that you've got the money. It is crazy to me how many people I talk to about home buying every day that say to me, and I, I say to them, how much do you have to buy a home? 
and they say, oh, don't worry about it. I'm good. I've, I got money. I'll take care of that. And unfortunately, that's not the way it works. We're not taking you on your word. We are lending you, in most cases, multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars in a very uh, organized way and a very specific fashion. And there's criteria that have to be met. So once your lender gets all the documents from you, verifies you are who you say you are, you make what you say you make, you have what you say you have available, we can issue a full pre-approval letter, put our signature on it, our stamp of approval, and let the real estate agents that are going to look at that letter know that this person isn't blowing smoke. This is real. They have gone through. They've jumped through these hoops. They are fully ready to go and move forward in the process. That's going to put you at the top of the stack when there's multiple offers like there are so much. So that's about as far as we can get until you're under contract. Now, there's certain cases if you have really difficult situation with your income or your credit where I can escalate that to an underwriter and actually have them, not only me, but have somebody even higher up than me give their blessing and say, okay, yeah, they had this credit issue, but we're going to be okay with it. Or they don't have enough money here, but we're okay with them getting it from another place. Or any, you know, any one of these things that could come up, that's going to then give you that extra layer of protection. So when you're putting an offer in, you know, and the agent knows that you're giving this offer to that you are qualified and approved for this loan. From there, it's a matter of getting under contract, finishing your negotiation. Then we can escalate the loan to the next step, ordering appraisals. Hey, I'm good for it. Don't worry about it. I'm good for it. Don't you worry one bit. Uh, Do they look at like your assets? Uh, If you have uh, savings or like uh, if you've got money involved in like whole life insurance? Absolutely. Yes. You know, whole life insurance is one of the best places to get money for a down payment. I was on a podcast yesterday talking about this with a financial advisor And, uh, you know, whole life insurance is an amazing tool. Another topic. I know there's other shows about it, but there's actually a line item on the loan application for cash value life insurance. It's very, you know, not a lot of people have it, but the ones that do understand the value, they understand the flexibility and borrowing from there is a great place to be able to get down payment money or borrowing against it. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm referring to because of those benefits where you don't take the money out. Right. Growing, so it's still so, growing, right? Exactly. Um, so, what should I be doing? What should I be doing with my credit while I have a mortgage application? Let's say that's uh, still in process. You don't want to be doing really anything with your credit unless you are told otherwise. And what I'm talking about specifically is: don't make any new inquiries. Don't go to the car dealer. Don't get the 10 percent off at the store at the mall by applying for a credit card. Your credit is going to be under a magnifying glass. From the minute you apply for that mortgage until the day that you close on that mortgage, the underwriters, your loan officer, we are monitoring your credit. They are going to typically pull a final credit report or a quality control credit report just a couple days, maybe a week before the closing. And if they see that you've applied for any loans anywhere, including other mortgages, car loans, credit cards, student loans, Every single inquiry on your credit is going to be scrutinized. And I've seen cases where it could disqualify you from that mortgage at the last minute. So the best practices do not do anything with your credit at all when it comes to inquiries. God forbid you take out a new loan. You actually do a new loan. That could absolutely affect you negatively and, again, cause you not to qualify. So really, up until the closing, 
not just it would don't do anything with your credit between the time that you've applied and in the ideally because anything you do is going to be scrutinized and i'm even talking about maybe when you applied for the mortgage you owed a hundred dollars on your visa card but then a week before closing they do the quality control credit report and you went from owing a hundred to a thousand all of a sudden your minimum okay. payment went from 25 a month to a hundred a month that could cause an issue. But okay, Rob, let's say you had an emergency. You 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 got to buy four tires. You and you're like, "Geez, I I, you know, I I'm out on the side of the road. They're towing me to some uh, you know, garage. Uh, I don't have 600 bucks in my pocket, but I got my credit card. I have an emergency right here. I got to get some tires." That's okay, but you want to communicate. The issue is a lot of people will go through the mortgage process, not say anything, and then I get an underwriter emailing me at the 11th hour that Gary Byron just took out a new loan, and we didn't know about it. Well, it's on your credit card. It's not really a new loan, is it? it well, I'm, in your case, yeah, you're talking about a credit card. Okay. Whether it's a new loan, and increased balance, the issue is that you are qualified. We're freezing in time where you're at when you're qualified for the loan. Okay. If balance is increased, there's new accounts, there's other things they could throw off the loan approval. So the best practice is going to be life happens. You may have an emergency. That's okay. But communicate that. Tell your loan officer, hey, I need new tires. I'm putting $800 on yeah, my I'm on visa. the side of the road right now, buddy. You know? Tell them because then we can handle it ahead of time and say to you, we can tell you, hey, do you want tires or do you want a new house? And in some cases, that is the decision that has to get made. So what happens? I'm stuck on the side of the road with rims. I, I had I had a similar situation happen where a client said to me, "My car completely went. Not new tires. I need a brand new car." Oh, I'm not, okay, that's okay? a different story. They had to get a new car, and I had to say, "Do you want a car or do you want a house?" That I understand. I think we're comparing apples to oranges here because that wholeheartedly, yes, completely. I'm talking about a good. A car. You, just, you need four new tires. Let's say it's a hundred hundred a quarter for a tire. You need six hundred dollars worth of tires. Or $500 worth of tires. You know, I, I mean, if I call you up and say, listen, I actually have the $500, but I don't have it on me in cash. I need to pay for this right now. I need to put this on my credit card. When the bill comes in, which will probably predate the closing of, of the home, I'm going to pay the thing off in, in fine. But I need you to, I need you to help me out here, though. But that's where the strategy and communication comes in that people miss. Because if that was you calling me, I would say, sure, go put it on your card. And when you get home or tomorrow, pay it off. Don't wait for the statement to end. Don't wait for that because that could show up on your credit. The underwriter will see it. If you do what you just said and you charge it on there and then you pay it off quickly, then it's a good situation as far as it may not show up. So it really comes down to communication because I understand things happen. Sure. And I'm not saying that every single person, you're not going to get a mortgage if you put on a, something on a credit card. Or if you do buy a new car, because I had someone buy a Mercedes-Benz no, in the no. middle of refinancing. They still got the loan, though, so I don't want to scare people. I think the moral of this is don't do it without communicating. Don't think that we're not going to know, because we are. All right. Well, not to, Did they still get the loan at the same uh, interest Everything rate? Everything was the same. Okay. Yes, it was fine. Um, are there things that I, I need to be aware of that I can be aware of regarding my bank account that can help make the mortgage process you know, even easier? There, there definitely are because bank accounts are going to be scrutinized, investment accounts, anything to do with your assets is going to be looked at. And just to kind of make one other point is no matter what you do, you do want to continue paying all your bills on time. Don't skimp out on going into collections on an account right. or, God forbid, going late on something. 
credit card, auto loan, or otherwise, keep paying your bills on time. But transitioning to the bank account question, you don't want to make large deposits into your bank account because just like your credit, we're going to be looking at bank account information through the loan process. And a large deposit, that's not typically going to be a $50 check from your buddy or a $100 Venmo from your friend from eating with them last week. That's not what I'm talking about. Different loan programs have different guidelines. The general rule of thumb that I use with my clients is a large deposit is going to be looked at as 25% of your gross income or more. So if you make $4,000 a month on your income before taxes, any deposit into your bank account, more than $1,000, which is 25% of your gross income, is going to require proof, seasoning. Where'd this money come from? Uh, a paper trail. Mm -hmm. You know, they want to make sure that you're not borrowing money from somewhere that we don't know about or getting money from someone that shouldn't be giving you money. But again, the small amounts are no big deal. It's the large deposits that are the issue. Be ready to source money. If somebody gives you a check from you sold a bike for three grand, you need to be able to show the bill of sale. You need to be able to show the check. We're going to be asking for these documents. Again, like I said a minute ago, communication is key. How long does it take from the time that a person applies for a mortgage to getting approved? So the pre-approval can be very quick within just a couple of days. Okay. Again, depending on how quickly you give their documents. But as far as the full loan approval, like I said, Closing. that's going to have to do with when are you going under contract? You know, underwriting can take a couple of days all the way to a week or two, depending on your lender. That's when the full approval is given on your loan. But the pre-approval can be just 24, 48 hours in a lot of cases. Yeah, and I know it, it makes perfect sense, right? Don't go be out looking for a car while you're, you're or, get, or getting a car while. But what if you already have, many people do, pre-existing car loans or leases or under lease. You know, I've had a mm -hmm. car payment. I've had it for, I got, I don't know, three more years to go, blah, blah, blah. So don't buy a house. Don't go try to get a mortgage if you because a lot of people do have near permanent or, <laughs> you know, that's fine. Carpet. We're going to factor all that into okay. your pre-approval and your mortgage. We're going to be able to see on your credit, the auto loans, the credit card debt. What we were really alluding to was making big changes gotcha. to those. You had spoken a moment ago uh, regarding how paramount communication is during the mortgage process and you gave a scenario mm -hmm. or we, I actually I kind of brought up a scenario to you and you gave a, a phenomenal answer but there's got to be more to the communication aspect of this than just that one that one situation there is so much to it and no matter what type of mortgage you're applying for or where you're applying or who you're working with communication is what the mortgage process is all about communication and documentation so you need to find out from your lender, from your advisor, not only on the mortgage end, but the realtor side as well. Um, there's a lot of different parties involved here. Do they prefer email? Do they do text message? Do they prefer a phone call? What are the hours of the day that they're going to be responsive? These are really important to find out up front. And I ask my clients, you know, when are you reachable? And some people will tell me, all right, well, up until 3 p.m., I can only be reached by text. But after three, I want you to call me. Or some people are like, I'm at my computer all day for work. I can't answer a call at all. But you can go ahead and send me an email and I'll respond right away because I'm at my computer all day. You need to know what is the communication type and style of the people that you're working with. Because if not, it's going to go off track really quick. And if you do one of the things we were saying not to do, like the inquiries, the new credit, the you know bank deposits and things that could cause issues, 
Shoot that email, send the text, communicate. The more info you give us as lenders, the better job we can do, the less stress you're going to have. If a person is pre-qualified for about $300,000, let us just say, but they buy a house that's, I don't know, maybe two twenty or two thirty. They still have another, let's say, seventy, eighty thousand to play with. Could and if if they go by according to some of your I guess some some of your advice, and they put three percent down, five percent down, whatever, as you as you strongly suggest sometimes, low interest rate. So they've got this other seventy five, eighty thousand dollar to play with. Could they theoretically seek a second mortgage on another property? Theoretically, they could do that, but we are lending money on a property-by-property basis. So it's based off the lower of the price of the home or the appraisal. Okay. So even if you buy a house that's valued at 250000 and you happen to get a great deal for 225000 we are lending you money based on the lower of the two when you're buying a home. So yes, you have some instant equity in there, but you can't immediately borrow against it. So to answer the question, if it's on another property, yes, you have more borrowing power that you could utilize for another mortgage. And I have a lot of clients that do that all the time, but we can't just give you more money to renovate necessarily that property immediately or to just say, hey, I want to, you know, uh, redo this or I want to buy a new car. Can I just take out a mortgage and the second mortgage to buy a car? That's not how it works. No, I I guess my my question is like, let's say, Gary, you're pre-approved for $400,000. I'm like, oh, great, great. I just go, I go buy a home and it's Mm $250,000. I'm like, well, I'm approved for $400,000, but what what I want is $250,000. I got another, I'm still qualified or pre-qualified for another $150,000. Well, you know what? I found a little piece of property over here that I can still put money down on. Uh, I still I, I care. I, I got another 150000 according to, you know, uh, you. Could I, in theory, like I, like I mentioned, uh, have a, buy another piece of property that fits within the parameters of what I'm pre-qualified for? I mean, in theory, for. yes, but there's more to it because the next property is going to have its own taxes, its own insurance, its own costs. And okay. when we pre-approved you for one house at 400000 that's not the same as two houses for 400000 Because, again, each house has their own expenses. So that's where you want to consult with that mortgage advisor to tell them, here's my plan, Mm. and how much can I get with this other property? Here's the address, and I can look up the taxes and get an idea of certain expenses on the house, and then say, okay, yeah, I can get you a mortgage on that for 120 for example. So it really comes down to that communication, that strategy, and that long-term perspective. What if I change jobs during the mortgage process? You know, that, that... Uh, you know, that two months, let's just say. You really don't want to change jobs during the mortgage process. It's it's a real pain. It creates extra paperwork. It creates extra, you know, potential issues that could come up. And you definitely, if it's even in the cards that you might be looking at another <laughs> job or position, you absolutely 100% need to discuss that with your mortgage advisor before you do anything. Well, what if it's a promotion? It's like, hey, Gary, this, this is, uh, is $40,000 more a year. I, you you got to tell me, do you want this now? This is opportunities come, they go. I need to know this right now. This is not a demotion. This is a promotion. Within the same company? Yeah. If it's within the same company, same structure, okay. then yes, it's okay. But again, talk to them first. All right, now let's do it. The op- now let's, it's a different company. $40,000 more. So you're getting more money. You- so the answer is yes, it can be done. Okay. And I've done it. And okay. there's just extra documentation required on that. But here's where people get caught up is they'll go from a W-2 job making $40,000 
and they'll get offered sixty thousand ten ninety nine as a contract. Oh yeah, it's, uh, then you're screwed. You will not get a mortgage. That's why if you come to me and say, "Hey, I'm thinking about this. I've got this job offer," I would tell you, "Don't. You either take the job yeah, or no, you no, take no. the house. You I don't get, get both." No, I know a ten ninety nine is an independent contractor. Sure, um, <laughs> you must get this all the time. I know I do in my field. You know what I would do if I were you or, you know, people who uh, like to offer advice. And I can only imagine people must come to you and say, well, my friend who is a real estate agent or, you know, my sibling who happen- who's gone through the mortgage process before tells me this. And I think we've covered some of this a week ago when we were debunking some mm-hmm. myths. But should people take advice from friends and family members while they're getting a mortgage? The answer to that is typically going to be no. That's a big don't, is don't take advice from people that don't know what they're doing. Just because someone bought a house in 1985 (laughs) doesn't mean they know what buying a house is today. And I had a client, a very, very wealthy lady that came to me, multi, multi multi-millionaire. She had not taken a mortgage since 1994, okay? Mm -hmm. She came to me to get a mortgage for a property for her son to live in. Okay, it was a condominium. She hadn't been through the mortgage process in almost three decades or over that. And she was absolutely just it was it was a huge transition for her to go from getting a mortgage back then to now. And she was questioning, well, why do you need this paperwork? I didn't have to get give this back then. And that's just an example of why somebody that bought a house, even if it was recently, every situation is different. Every property is different. You may pass up a great opportunity by getting advice from people that are not professionals. Now, the caveat to that is, okay, you've got somebody in your family or a friend that is a real estate professional. They've been doing real estate, whether it be mortgage, insurance, real estate uh, you know, sales for many years. They are an expert. Those are the cases where I would say, yes, it could make sense to consult with them. Everyone has others that are in a position that maybe know more than they do. But don't take their advice as the gospel necessarily. You need to make your own decisions, and you need to have a team of people really helping you. Rob, you talk about you know documentation that they must come to present to you. You also mentioned just a, a few seconds ago that how obtaining a mortgage back in the early nineties, you know, twenty five years ago or close to thirty years ago, is so different than obtaining a mortgage now. We, really, I only have time for this final question before we start uh, giving away some books here. And that is, what's the key element there that they didn't require 25 years ago that they do require now? You know, it's not only about 25 years ago. It's about literally a year ago. So just one great example is self-employed clients before COVID versus now. Completely different mortgage guidelines. You have to provide... Everything but a blood sample, it seems, nowadays to get a mortgage as a self-employed person due to COVID. When is that going to change? I don't know. But what I can tell you for certain, doing this almost two decades, is that these guidelines are constantly evolving. They're constantly changing. Back in 2005 and six, you could get a mortgage without even showing a pay stuff. You can't really do that anymore. So somebody that got a loan back then, and I've had him say, hey, last time I did this, I didn't have to give him any of this stuff. Well... It's it's changing and it's always going to be changing. That's why having that expert advisor, getting with them as early as you can in the process, getting your ducks in a row is so important. Well, all right, that's, I, I, we're running out of time. So is is it better? Can you be self-employed? And, and is it easy to be to be self-employed and still have, and still Absolutely, get a mortgage? Absolutely, but you just okay. got to be prepared. You need to know what's required 
And with these things changing so much, today you're going to need to give business bank statements, profit and loss statements, tax returns. Whereas a year ago, you only had to give tax returns, maybe a letter from your CPA. It was much, much simpler. So it's not impossible, but where people get caught up is they're not aware of it. They're not educated on it. They're not prepared at all. And then it's a wild goose chase. They have to get this and that, and they're not ready. Why it's so important, again, to consult early in the process, whether you're buying or refinancing, to know what's going to be required. Because if it's going to take you three weeks to get documents together, like it does, unfortunately, with some people that are disorganized, let's get all that in a row now. So when we pull your credit and put the scenario together, we have all your documents. Otherwise, I'm going to tell you you're pre-approved for 200. I look at your documents and now you're only approved for 120. Yeah, and it's going to eat into your 60 days, right? You don't want to do that. You want your 60 days to be strictly for actually, trying to look for a home. It's 120 days to, uh, oh. you know, that the credit report is good. I know some mortgage companies are less, but no matter what the timeline, yes, it eats into that timeline. We want you to provide as much documentation up front as you can. I give all my clients a checklist very early in the process, very thorough, so we can fully review and underwrite that loan and process that loan And things don't come up late in the process because most of the issues you hear about the horror stories of getting a mortgage or buying a home is because something came up very late in the process that maybe we should have known sooner. Well, I guess what? Bring pay stubs, bring your your previous year's tax returns to you. Get a checklist from your lender early on and get everything at one time that you can give them. All the more reason to see this gentleman right here, Rob Weinberg. He's going to take care of all that for you. He's going to do all the legwork, all the grunt work, all the work that just makes gives you a nightmare. And he'll present it and put a nice bow on it. Folks, I teased you at the beginning of the show that you can obtain this book. It is absolutely free. And it's authored by the gentleman to my left, the very person I've just been interviewing for the last 30 minutes. It's entitled Mortgage Strategies for the New Millennium, Using Your Home Loan as a Financial Tool, again, written by Robert Weinberg, the gentleman who has been discussing this with us for the last 30 minutes uh, in the namesake of this show with Mortgage Matters. Now, you want to get this book, and I can't say I blame you. This is how to do it. Get a pen and paper right now. I I don't have much time. I'm going to stall for three seconds while you get that for you because I want you to write down this email address. If you are one of the first three people to email Rob, uh, you will get a free book sent right out to you. Shipping, handling, the whole thing is all covered for you as well as the book itself. Email Mortgage Matters Radio Show at gmail.com. It's that simple, folks. I'll give you the email address one more time. Mortgage Matters Radio Show at gmail.com. Incidentally, you can utilize that email address for two other things. Number one, if you've got a question that you'd like to have answered uh, during the show, and who knows, could be next, could be next week, right on these very airwaves. Send your question to the same email address, Mortgage Matters Radio Show at gmail.com. You can also send any personal questions that you may have for it as well. You, but I would also recommend doing this. Call Rob if you've got personal questions. Um, 860-413-3938. Once again, 860-413-3938. For Rob Weinberg, I'm Gary Byron. Thanks for listening to Mortgage Matters. Until next Saturday morning, have a good one, everybody. So long.